This is a Squiz Kids podcast. Your fresh take on what's happening in the world around you. Each week we give the world globe a spin and see where we land. Then we take the kids of Australia on an audio excursion to visit that country and its people. I'm Amanda Bauer and today on Squiz the World we're going to swim at Pacific Ocean beaches, beat our way through the tropical jungle to see the Amazon River and hike the mountain peaks of the Andes. And we'll do all that and not leave the borders of Peru. So strap yourselves into the Squiz Kids Superfast Supersonic Jetliner as we take off to South America and take a squiz at Peru. Just the facts. Peru is on the southwest coast of South America and is that continent's third biggest country. It's what's known as a presidential republic, meaning that it has an elected parliament and a separately elected president. The capital, Lima, is on the coast and is named after the river that runs through it, the Rimac. That's a local indigenous word and apparently others had a hard time saying the R at the beginning and the K at the end. So it went from Rimac to Lima. And yes, Lima beans or Lima beans, which in Australia tend to be called butter beans, are named after the Peruvian capital because they were first cultivated, which is a fancy word for grown, in Peru. You might be surprised to hear that potatoes and tomatoes spread across the world from Peru too. There are about 4,000 different species of potatoes grown in Peru. Wow! And it wasn't until the 15th century that potatoes were brought from South America to Europe and then beyond. And all of the different kinds of tomatoes that you can eat today descend from a tiny berry-like tomato that grows wild in northern Peru. So the next time you have chips or pizza or lima beans, say thank you to Peru. Thank you. Whenever you travel, it's important to learn a few words in that country's language. It's a great way to show respect. So let's... Learn the lingo. Peru, along with most of South America, was conquered by the Spanish in the 1500s. Before the Spanish came, it was part of the enormous Inca Empire. More on the Incas in a minute. So although the official language of Peru is Spanish, there are also two co-official languages, both of which are indigenous. The most widely spoken is Quechua, which was the main language of the Inca Empire. Because that empire was so huge, Quechua is the most widely spoken pre-Columbian language family in South America. Pre-Columbian means before the arrival of Christopher Columbus in the Americas in 1492. Some say that the Quechua language was born from the musical sounds of nature, like thunder and wind and bird calls. How beautiful. About a quarter of all Peruvians speak Quechua, and I tried really hard to find a squiz kid or even the parent of a squiz kid to record some for us. But so far, no luck. If you speak Quechua or you know someone, drop us a line at squizkids at thesquiz.com.au. In the meantime, we should probably remember some of our Spanish from visiting Costa Rica, Mexico and other places. We say hola when we meet someone new and Gracias, when they do something nice for us. Now that we can communicate a little bit, it's... Time for school! Like many countries we've visited on the Squiz Kids Supersonic Gent, Peru has a big gap between its most wealthy people and its poorest. 
Almost one-third of Peruvians are considered to be living in poverty, and the story of President Pedro Castillo's childhood is still a common one. It's hard for kids to get to school, their families often need them to help on a farm or earn money in some other way, and lots drop out. And you can probably imagine what the global pandemic might have been like for kids living in the Peruvian countryside. While 60% of households in the capital, Lima, had access to a computer and the internet, in rural Peru, it was just 6%. As a result, large numbers of students have dropped out of school. The effects of that interrupted education could be felt for decades. So the next time you learn something on a computer, think about how lucky you are. Okay, I promised I'd tell you more about the Inca Empire. So let's fire up the old time machine for... Time travel. We're heading back, way back to the 1500s, about the same time that the Spanish were landing on the coast of Peru. High up in the Andes Mountains, the Incas were busy building something very special right in the middle of their vast empire, which stretched from Ecuador in the north down to Chile in the south. That's right, we have landed in the city of Machu Picchu, where the Incas are building more than 200 stone structures on terraces cut into the mountainside. These palaces, temples and terraces are being built without wheeled vehicles to transport the heavy stone and without metal tools to cut the stone and without mortar or cement to hold the stones together. But the engineering is so precise that when there are earthquakes, and Machu Picchu lies on two fault lines, so there are plenty of earthquakes, we can actually see the stones dance around as the ground beneath them shakes and then land and fit back together perfectly. Because the Inca had no written language, there are no records of exactly what they used Machu Picchu for and, crucially, no explanation for why, 100 years after it was built, they abandoned it. The Spanish never discovered Machu Picchu, and it wasn't until 1911 that an American explorer, Hiram Bingham, was shown the site by local farmers. Machu Picchu is now world famous, and the government has limited the number of people allowed to visit to 2,500 per day to help protect the site. I've put a link in your episode notes to photos and a video so that you can visit virtually. But as someone who has spent five days hiking in the mountains to get to Machu Picchu at sunrise, can I recommend that you put it on a mental bucket list as something you might want to do when you're a bit older? It is breathtaking. Okay, five days of hiking, I am starving. I think it might be... Dinner time. The national dish of Peru is ceviche, and most experts agree that it first appeared more than 2,000 years ago when the moche culture, which was in Peru before the Incas, marinated fish in the fermented juices of a fruit called the tumbo. Although scholars aren't sure where the name comes from, one theory is that it's from the Quechua name for fresh fish, which is ceviche. Well, ceviche, ceviche, that sounds pretty convincing to me. Nowadays, ceviche is made by marinating the fish in lime juice, which denatures the raw fish proteins and basically cooks it without using heat. It wasn't until the Spanish brought citrus fruit with them to South America that this version of ceviche was born. 
The fish and the lime juice are mixed with spices and served with lettuce, toasted corn, seaweed and sweet potato. Of course, fresh fish can be a little hard to come by in the mountains, so Peru's second most popular dish is called lomo saltado. It's beef stir-fried with onions, tomatoes and chilli and served with a mountain of rice. I'll put a link in your episode notes to each recipe. You get to decide whether you want to pretend you're in Lima for dinner having ceviche or the mountains having lomo saltado. Time for the quiz. This is the part of the podcast where you get to test how well you've been listening. Question number one. What was the name of the huge South American empire that stretched from Ecuador to Chile and included Peru? That's right, it was the Inca Empire. Question number two. Name one of the three foods I mentioned that were first cultivated in Peru and spread across the world later. Give yourselves a pat on the back if you got one or more of the following. Lima beans, potatoes and tomatoes. And question number three, which ingredient did the Spanish conquerors bring with them that is now an important part of Peru's national dish, ceviche? Well done if you've remembered this, it was lime juice or citrus fruits. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for staying curious about the world and joining me on this incredible trip to Peru. Now get out there and have a most excellent day. Over and out. These episodes are edited and engineered by Carter Quinn. If you enjoyed that little trip, don't forget that every Wednesday all through the Christmas holidays, the Squiz Kids Superfast Supersonic Jetliner will take off weekly to explore a new country. We've got Latvia, Cuba, Ireland and more on our itinerary. And on Saturdays, Bryce will be challenging you and your grown-ups to a kids versus adults quiz on a different topic each week. And on Mondays, we'll be releasing a Squiz Kids shortcut where we'll dive into the who, what, where, when, why and how of big topics like sharks, YouTube, fireworks and more. All of this amazing content is absolutely free. Consider it Bryce's and my gift to you this festive season. And if you just can't get enough, don't forget about Newshounds, our brand new media literacy program for primary school kids. Your chance to join Squizzy the Newshound as he sniffs out the truth on the internet. If you're keen to know more, head to www.squizkids.com.au. And of course, if this is the first time you've come across us, Squiz Kids Today is a free daily news podcast during the school term, a kid-friendly take on the big news headlines, and we're available wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, squizkids.com.au.